Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterbarus. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor, that's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will, where do you want to start? Hello everybody, welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who, Doctor Who Watch Along podcast. You're very excited, Tim. Well, I saw, I suddenly realised I was seeing it a lot slower than normal. Um, as always, joined by Harry. Hi, Harry. Hey, Tim. Um, first of all, apologies if my audio is slightly echoey this week. Um, I, I was in the kitchen when I decided when we decided we were going to record, and I didn't move from the kitchen, <laughs> so might be a little bit echoey. The oven's on in the background. We'll just see how this goes. But for the rest of the episode, when you actually get to the watch long segment, you'll be okay. You'll be. Um, Back to normal. Um, we're going to go through the news. Whoop! You excited, Harry? Woo! Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting stuff to talk about. So little to talk about, but so much time. Um, Revolution got its over. It's got its official viewing figures in. It originally had its overnight viewing figures for the actual night of its broadcast, which were four point three, four point thirty six million people. Um. Oh no, that was. Hang on, what's going on here? Uh, that's the EastEnders. We don't do. Should we do an EastEnders podcast? I mean, we could do. Yeah, I've never watched an episode of EastEnders, um, but the actual. I've seen view- a couple here and there. The viewing figures for the episode, as far as I'm aware, they were um, 4.69 million watched it on the night. But since then, when they've added up people who have recorded it and watched it back, and people who have caught up on iPlayer. That viewing figure for Revolution of Daleks goes up to 9.25, uh, sorry, 6.25 million. That's that's pretty, um, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty strong viewing figures. It's not as bad. It's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know what the most viewed episode was. I think the most viewed episode was about 17 million, I think, when it was David Tennant. Mm. So, but I know like the last few seasons have really only been around 4 million. So for this big special to get, you know, a, you know, quite a big draw was quite good. I feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good. You know, pretty standard Doctor Who viewing figures that we're used to. Uh, I feel like I, I don't have any kind of numbers to compare with, but I feel like this is kind of this Jody's run is comparable to what um, Peter Capaldi's run was like mm. in terms of viewing figures. Yeah, I don't think there's much as a drop off as, as some people would certainly like there to be. I wonder though if those viewing figures would have been as high if it was on Christmas Day. I feel they're high like that because New Year's Day television wasn't that remarkable this year. Mm. I mean, none of the festive television was that okay. remarkable. But that's, you know, there's outside factors that have been uh, <laughs> quite impactful. Yes. Um, Doctor Who Revolution Daleks has an official rating of 6.25 million viewers. The final rating takes into account all those who recorded the program and watched it within one week. The ratings for Firm Dotsu was the top rated BBC program on New Year's Day, beating EastEnders, which had 4.63 million, and Mrs. Brown's Boys, which had 4.87. Um, I feel like we talked about Mrs. Brown's Boys enough last week. For us not to have to go into it again this week. Overall, Doctor Who was the second 
um, for the day with Coronation Street claiming the top spot with 6.39 million, so only a little bit more than Doctor Who. Um, Doctor Who is likely to finish the week as the eighth most watched program, the same portion held by the New Year's 2020 program um, Spyfall. So it would fall around the same place as it has done in previous years. So um, between this time last year and now, Doctor Who's kind of got maintained that uh, following that it had, hasn't made any gains or losses. No, it seems to have done, yeah, it seems to be up there, which is which sort of makes you think, I was going to say was quite surprised considering Jack came back, but I suppose the only people who really care if Jack comes back are the fans. Bringing Jack back isn't I really going to bring in random audience members, I don't feel. I feel like there, there may be some people, and it, it, in a way I'm surprised because I know that um, there are a lot of people I saw in online discourse who kind of said or at least claimed that they were going to stop watching after the time as children. Um, so even if that is the if that is the case, that means then people have definitely come back because of maybe a mixture of festive Doctor Who, John Barrowman coming back, or maybe it's just that... Um, the exact same people who are watching last year are the exact same people who are watching this year. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the most watched program for the week ending the 3rd of January was Happy New Year Live with 9.92 million watching London mark the start of 2021. Now, that was pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I know this was all two weeks ago, but that was really cool what they did with the drones in London. Yeah, like the uh, kind of drones laser light show. I think it's cool. Um, I hope that um, for the future they kind of continue doing a mixture of kind of technical stuff and fireworks just because it kind of was refreshing they should put fireworks on drones and fly them around london just get a crap out of everybody i'm not i'm not sure that uh, that sounds more like a doctor who episode tim (gasps) it's evil drones shooting fireworks (laughs) around Um, in other news, uh, christopher eccleston's ninth doctor audio adventures we've had a title we've had cast We've had writers, we've had episode names, and a cover reveal. Let's do it. I'm going to talk about the cast a little bit more with Harrison at a later date. So, but we're mainly going to talk about the titles and the uh, the uh, the actual yeah. cover. Art. We've only the cover which we've received is just for the first story, correct? Uh, Ravagers. Well, oh, Ravin- Ravagers. Ravagers or Ravage? Yeah, Ravagers is the ish is the name of the first volume, and within the first. Okay, so volume, is this one is story or a? There okay. Are, there is three individual stories. I'm not 100 percent sure if they will be connected. But all three stories are written by Nicholas Briggs, it seems. Yes. Okay. So that makes me think maybe if there there's gonna be four volumes of this, and this is only the first one we've seen. If maybe mm. these four Is Nicholas volumes... writing all No, go on, go on. Is Nicholas Briggs writing all of them, or are other writers being brought in, or is that not something we um, know it's, currently? It's not said yet, but I imagine it's going to be different writers. Mm. Um, I'd be quite interested, though, to see if these different vo- box, these different volumes are going to take place over different time periods, or if it's just going to be one continuous, you know, from the start, whatever the start of Ravages is, to the very last episode of the last um, volume. If they're all going to take place mm. within the same time period, or are we going to go from, you know, the start of his era, the middle bit, maybe a little bit with Rose, because nothing like that's been announced yet? Yeah. I mean, looking at this cover, it's quite evident that Billy Piper Rose is not going to be a part of this story, which 
to me, must mean it kind of takes place in one of those periods, you know, during the episode of Rose where the Ninth Doctor was mm. off on one of his, you know, many journeys that, um, uh, what's the name of the guy who Rose went to see in that episode? Oh, his name was Clive? Clive, that's right. Clive you know, or Clive, I'm guessing. I can't remember. Mm. Sorry, can uh, we stop for a second? Sorry, my brother just came in the room. No, no, it's okay. I'll edit around that. Um, just let me do a load of clapping so I can see it on the timeline. You ready? Yep. Ta-da. Um, if we're going to talk about the cover for a second, let's try and break down what we can see. There's a lot of different time periods going on here, it seems. Mm, there's definitely a, there's a century in there. Yeah. Roman. There's an army tank. Uh, there's... there's... Uh, are those like French Revolution era soldiers, or is that like? I was hoping American... you were going to tackle that one because my history knowledge. Is I, I, I'm not too... honestly. My history is very, very rusty. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, some kind of I... civil war period. And what seems to be Weasel or whatever his name is from the Portal video games, the little round ball thing with a light. Or is that yeah, t- yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, looks like three, four, three guilty spark there with his uh, light. It looks uncannily similar to him. Yeah. There is uh, a, the big giant robot in the background. Yeah, looks like something out of Real Steel. If anyone but me remembers that film, <laughs> no, I remember Real Steel. I never saw it, but I remember. I saw it in the cinemas. It's yes. pretty good, actually. Actually, I saw it on TV a few years ago, <laughs> and it holds up a lot better than you'd expect a film about Hugh Jackman controlling a boxing robot to hold up. Um, one thing that's noticeable is that behind him is what seems to be the floor of the TARDIS. Uh, the so- oh, is that... I didn't realise that's what it was. There's like the big hexagonal behind him, which is like a niche, which seems to be the floor mm. of the TARDIS, and then there seems to be two round things around him as well. Ah, uh, yes, of course. And yeah. obviously, we have uh, flying out of that explosion. We have the ninth Doctor's uh, TARDIS. Always nice to see that TARDIS design. Well, I, I was looking at it, and it looks a little different. I don't know if it. Uh, it looks like the ninth so? Doctor's, but I think they've maybe got an image of maybe Matt's TARDIS and just tweaked it slightly. No, Matt's TARDIS was definitely like bulkier than that. What? Do you think yeah, that, but, that bulkier than the ninth Doctor's TARDIS well, was? The only, the only reason I raise question is is because I know how Big Finish do their artwork. So, for example, this photo that you're looking at now of Christopher Eccleston, that body mm-hmm. and that head are taken from two different photo shoots, and the artist, Tom Webster, has just merged them together. Mm-hmm. So it makes me maybe think that maybe this TARDIS that we're looking at is actually two yeah. TARDISes merged into one. Can I ask, uh, I don't know if this is deliberate, but do you know what the explosion might be a callback to? Uh, nope. <laughs> um, did you ever, have you never seen the um, original 2005 teaser for series one of Doctor Who? Oh yeah, where he's running down a hallway and there's the explosion behind him. Yeah, there's an explosion. Is it The explosion, if I remember correctly, looks very similar to the one that um, we've got the Ninth Doctor standing in front of now. I don't know if that's deliberate or not, or maybe it's just because they wanted that, you know, very early 2000s um, uh, contrast of blue and orange. 
But either way, it's very cool. It's very I know cool. a lot of people really wanted to have maybe the cover of this look a lot like the early days 2005.2 DVD covers. Mm. I mean, to me, it feels like it's kind of a fusion of that era's art style and the kind of general big finish art style, which is very cool. I very like. I like very much kind of the aesthetic that the uh, big finish covers go for. Yeah, no, they are great. Um, I'll read you a little bit here what I found on Doctor Who News.net. Cover art and the story titles for the first volume of Big Finish Doctor Who, The Knife Doctor Adventure, starring Christopher Eccleston, are unveiled today. Um, due to be released on, in May 2021, so not long to go, Doctor Who, The Knife Doctor Adventure's Ravages, or Ravager is a full cast audio drama box set comprising three fantastic stories written by Big Finish creative director Nicholas Briggs. Joining Christopher Eccleston for his best audio odyssey through time and space are Camilla Beeput as Nerva, a gallery chief, uh, a gallery chef from the Spheres of Freedom. And who else do we have? There is somebody else joining, but they seem to have... Jane McKenna. Jane McKenna, that's right. Uh, as Audrey. Yeah, there you go. Um, the oldest gamer mm. in Freedom City. Uh, the Knife Doctor Adventures is now available to pre-order exclusively at Big Finish website. That is www.bigfinish.com for just $19.99. The story includes the first volumes. Um, the, <laughs> the story included in this first volume are the following. So you're ready for the titles. They are Sphere of Freedom. Um, oh, here we go. There's a big word. Catacillum? How would you pronounce that? Can you see the word? Do you know what I'm on about here? Uh, have you got it up on your screen? Um, let me let pronounce me... it. Cataclysm, apologies, and um, food fight. So we're going to get you're going to get three stories across the four different volumes. It seems. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the titles give so little away. Yeah, those are very, very vague. There's no kind of you know um, invasion of the Cybermen or something like that that quite clearly gives away what might be happening. I mean, obviously, judging from this cover, we aren't going to be seeing any classic who monsters unless one of the two robots are in fact classic who monsters i don't recognize no, but don't nothing recognize super iconic in this first installment do you think there's a possibility we could get something with the master and the knife doctor which master that's well, the question it would the thing is well it wouldn't be Derek jacoby because he doesn't recognize him so you would have to go before Derek jacoby this is where it gets slightly confusing with um Doctor Who, because Big Finish have their own collection of masters. We may as well go straight into it because it is fifty years um, of uh, sorry, thirty years of the master, or is it fifty years of the master? I think 30, it's thirty. 30. It's thirty. Thirty years. Yeah, thirty years of the master. Um, so Big Finish released Masterful, which I haven't listened to. Um, have you listened to it, Harry? No. Nope. <laughs> um, and it includes um, almost every single master. It literally includes every master that has ever been. Um, plus some ones that have been designed only for Big Finish. So there's a possibility that maybe they could just put one of their own masters in there? The thing with that is, um, my understanding is that when the 10th Doctor discovers the master, he's surprised that the master is alive at all because he just presumed that every Time Lord, including the master, was killed at the end of the time lord i mean time war um so if they wanted a ninth doctor to meet either the master or 
um, River Song, they'd then have to do it that their mind by the end of that story was wiped for yeah. kind of continuity in the show to be maintained. No, you are right. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Um, do you have a favourite master story? Um, I've only watched New Who, so it's hard <laughs> to say for me. Um, perhaps... I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Um, because it's hard for me to separate my favourite master stories from my favourite master depictions. Okay, um, so what's your favourite master depiction? Um, in New Who, um, there's um, John Sim's final um, appearance as a master in yeah. uh, Series 10. And then my favourite, favourite New Who master is um, Sasha Dowan. I think that he is just excellent pitch perfect yeah well, mine is master so maybe maybe spyfall just because of how much i enjoy watching sasha Dowan. yeah sasha Dowan's great i haven't seen enough of him yet to fully form a proper opinion but um for me it is john sim i think he's amazing and also the fact that he's in life on mars also swings out a lot for me do you have a preference between uh tenant here john sim and Capaldi or Tom Sim, because they're quite different. Yeah. Even the two tenant stories John Sim appears in, every time he appears at the master in the show, he's quite radically different. Yeah, I suppose it's hard to not look. I suppose the Capaldi era master is my favourite, but I don't necessarily think that's the best story that that, doctor, that, that master was in. Mm, okay. Yeah, I so, kind of agree with that, yeah. Um, while we're talking about um, Big Finish... Um, we've got some news on the new Out of Time. We spoke about it last week. We want to talk about all the things David Tennant's going to be returning for. Um, Out of Time 2, The Gates of Hell, with David Tennant and Peter Davison will feature the Cybermen. How do you feel about that, Harry? That's That should be fun. One question I wonder is, are they going to acknowledge the events of Time Crash in that? I feel are they, they going to canonise that Children in Need special? You think they will? I think it already is canon, I think. So um, maybe just have a little throwaway line where it's, oh, it's you again, or something like that, because this mm. will be the only time... Oh, I... <laughs> that, sorry, this will be the second time that they've met. So it's, you know, yeah, and it's the only time the Tenth Doctor yeah. can remember meeting another incarnation of himself. Yeah, maybe some joke about um, the Fifth Doctor looking younger mm-hmm. than he was before. <laughs> no, I hope they don't. I hope they keep old age him up again, even for audio. <laughs> Just Have we seen the cover yet? Have we seen the cover? Um, no, we haven't seen the cover yet, no. It would be quite fun if they just like said, screw it, let's have an older Pete Davison. Again, every time. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, I was about to say, then they could have had the 10th Doc, you know, Tennant and Davison do like a fun photo shoot together, but I realised that Tennant looks older than he did when he was the 10th Doctor, so never mind. Um that's it for news, really. I don't have anything else to talk about. Do you, Harry? Um, well, obviously, you and Harrison have already spoken about um, mm-hmm. the 14th Doctor rumours, and I would not mind, you know, throwing <laughs> my own one-two in the ring. No, that's okay. That, that's, not, that's not a saying. That's not a saying. <laughs> throwing my own one-two. What is it? Throwing my know. own hat in the ring? Is that? Possibly, yeah. I feel like I just it. make up sayings or throw them together. I shouldn't speak. Why am I on a podcast? <laughs> um, no, of course, we were going to talk about this anyway. I've still got loads of suggestions that I haven't got through yet. Mm. Um, and then me and Harrison went through some of those. I want to go and listen to that. Um, go listen to that. Do you want to go first with some of your suggestions? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, most of mine are kind of based off rumors, what bookies have started saying. Um, I'd like to, first of all, kind of return to one of the ones which you and Harrison brought up and were enthusiastic about, and what I believe has been voted by fans to be kind of the most wanted Doctor, yeah. which is Richard Ayoade. He's literally on telly now. He's on the, he's on the is TV it, here. What's I'm he watching. doing? Is it Travel Man? It is Crystal Travel A's? Man. <laughs> I think my dad's watching it. Um, <laughs> but... so, can you guess who he's travelling with? No, I couldn't. Oh, okay, fair enough. Leave your comments and suggest who you think he could be travelling with. Sorry, Harry, carry on. But no, yeah, I kind of am pretty much in the same camp as most Doctor Who fans in which I I've said for a couple of years now at least that um, Richard Iowardi would be absolutely brilliant mm. as the Doctor um, you know he's great I think he kind of has everything you could want uh, from an, an actor playing Doctor I think possibly my only reservation is that kind of nowadays with stuff such as Travel Man, Crystal Maze. He does much more presenting work. I mean, mm. unless acting work, that didn't stop Bradley Walsh, of course. But there is the possibility that in the public eye, Richard Iwadi is seen too much as Richard Iwadi rather yeah. than as an actor. And that if you were to play the role, you wouldn't be able to think of him as the 14th Doctor and just think of him as Richard Iowardi as the Doctor. Yeah, I don't you would, think... yeah, I know what you mean. You'd be watching it and you wouldn't see the Doctor, you would see Richard Iowardi. Hmm. I mean, I don't think... I think that's a very small point against him. I, hmm. If he was revealed, I would be, you know, elated. Because um, I think he's kind of got everything you could want from a Doctor. Yeah. Well, I've got two suggestions here. And... The reason I'm going to bring them up first is because I'm not 100% sure about them. I'm not sure if... I think they should have played the Doctor at some point, but not now. I feel like maybe the moment has passed for them to play the Doctor, but at some point, maybe in the last 10, 20 years, they would have been perfect. And the two people I've got are Robert Carlyle and Nicholas Lindhurst. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So Robert I've Carlyle, heard those names being of, thrown around. Robert Carlyle, a lot of people might know best on Train Spotting, but I'm talking about when he was doing stuff like the Full Monty, that sort of era. Robert Carlyle would have mm. been great. Maybe now. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it now. Was but... Doctor Who on TV when that came out, though? I don't think it was. No, that's the only problem. <laughs> yeah. And Nicholas Lindhurst, who now I do feel he's maybe too old to do it he doesn't I know like Capaldi looks old but I, I, not to throw shade on Capaldi but he still looks like the Doctor whereas I love Nicholas Lindez I, I cannot talk about how much I adore any fucking horses and how much I adore Rodney but when I see Nicholas Lindez now I'm like oh man you look old <laughs> I think there's you know al I mean? also the fact that um, when you've already played a really iconic character such as Rodney and only fools and horses yeah. Can you then also play another iconic character such as the Doctor? Yeah. Or do you just see, you know, Rodney from Only Fools as the Doctor? Well, it's not going to stop um, Chris Marshall. <laughs> Chris Marshall. <laughs> Have you already discussed Chris Marshall? You haven't. I would like to say, I think Chris Marshall would be a great Doctor. And I think he would be just fine. But what I don't like is the fact that every news outlet goes, yeah, it's going to be Chris Marshall with no evidence. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. Um, 
I've not watched Death in Paradise. I'm sure he's a great actor. And from what you've told me, there are, is a lot in his performance in Death in Paradise that kind of suggests he would be able to play the doctor yeah. very well. Though part of me kind of feels like a lot of the reason why people have kind of rallied behind him is because he's ginger and the whole, you know, <laughs> lingering thing of the doctor always saying they yeah. want to be ginger. Well, I know last I know. time it was because, last time the rumors went around, it was because he left Death in Paradise like the same month it was announced that Capaldi was leaving Doctor Who, so people quickly weighed it up and right. went, okay. Okay. So who do you have? Who's on your list? Um, I really only have another two key ones I want to talk about. One of them I saw at some point from one article, it might be Metro, uh, slated her as the uh, bookie's favourite, which is uh, Michaela Cole. Uh, the, the one you sent star... me? Yeah, she's the star of... Um, and creator of both uh, Chewing Gum and um, I May Destroy You. Mm. Um, I've not watched I May Destroy You, but I've heard very, very good things about it. I have seen some bits of Chewing Gum, and she's very good in that. Um, from everything I've seen, I think she would do an excellent job. I mean, I feel like every actor we bring up would be able to bring something to Rolf Doctor and do an excellent job. 100%. Um, my one question is, would someone like Michaela Cole, who's obviously such a creatively involved person in a lot of her projects would she choose to do something like doctor who where she would have less creative control over you know another thing which she could write and direct and produce yeah i see what you mean yeah i from what i've heard from moffat and russell is that writing doctor who is just the biggest ball ache and they seem to really enjoy it but it just constantly stresses them out so the fact that you would then have to write it, produce it, direct it, and star in it. I'm not saying that she personally would. I mean, that's something that's ever been done. We've never had a doctor also be a writer and producer for show. How would yeah. you feel if that happened? I think it would be if okay. The, the, only, like... the only other example I can think of is Ricky Gervais. Um, not to play the Doctor, but in that same field of writing and directing and starring his own stuff. And for that, it works. For six episodes of a sitcom or a comedy, I feel it works. For a sci-fi show, with such a big legacy where I imagine planning it takes... Because you know that when they're, when they're filming Series 5, they're planning Series 6. Mm. So I don't necessarily know if you could do that and also give a 100% committed performance to the role as well i mean that being said i say that but if michaela did come on obviously kind of the rumors are jody leaving specified that chibnall would stay on and i imagine that would be the case yeah. and you know actors like we bring up Richard iwadi he's written produced and directed and kind of starred and stuff himself you know like um garth ringy's dark place is yeah. a key example so it by no means something and it's not like Michaela Cole doesn't just do stuff that she creates so I yeah. still think it's within the realms of possibility it's just a question of whether she'd prioritize doing something like Doctor Who which is quite a big commitment over maybe pursuing something more personally yeah um if, if Chicknell it does seem will be staying on if these if it is meant to be true which may which threw me back into Broadchurch and I started digging around in Broadchurch to see who had been on projects that could be um, of interest. And one of these I know you'll definitely want to talk about is, um, so the first one is Simone Ackerley. She's a really brilliant female actress. She was in, a, did you see Broadchurch? I saw the first two series. I didn't see yeah. series three. Okay, so you'll probably remember that the father, Mark Latimer, has an affair 
Yes. And Simona actually plays the character who he has an affair with. I remember, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jodie so, had a great scene where she confronted her. In she it. does, she does, yes, that's true. So that's, that'd be great. And Jonathan Bailey, who is a younger actor, he played the budding reporter in that, ah, in yes, that I series. Remember. Yeah. yeah, and I think if I, I, re- I retweeted that on our Twitter account of these two numbnuts being asked what they thought. Did you see it, what they thought of Jodie Whittaker leaving Doctor Who on BBC News? And um, they asked this guy, they said, do you watch Doctor Who? He went, no, I do not watch Doctor Who because this is a children's programme. And then they asked, they asked the other woman and they said, what do you think? And she went, well, I think the BBC has clearly shown it's trying to appeal to a younger demographic. So I think they should possibly cast a YouTuber. Wait, uh, who, who are these two people? Are these the actors from Broadchurch? No, these, are, these are just this? two people who just happened to be on BBC Breakfast at this time when they were doing like the news, when they were going okay, over. Okay, like, so uh, they weren't like television correspondents, actors, no. right? They had no... They were just okay. two random people. It was the most bizarre thing. Um, okay, because is this like the thing where on BBC News they bring in like people to talk about the headlines? Yes. So it's like those, like the headlines people. Yeah. Um, God, now I'm thinking about like <laughs> if they YouTube. brought in like Joe Sug to be the doctor. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. I could see it. Um, I feel so, he's a bit young right now. But... Yeah. Someone who was in Broadchurch, <laughs> yes. I know you want to talk about, is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yes, yes. I did kind of, I was snooping around for Broadchurch cast list as well. And I did see Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which mm. I could not help but notice because she, of course, is another one, which a lot of the rumours and the bookies are talking about. I remember she was discussed when it came to who could be the 13th Doctor. And yeah. Of course, she's been discussed again now. I feel like when it came to the 13th Doctor, she very much could have been a viable pick. Now, I think she's far too big of a name. Yeah. Um, obviously, Fleabag has been like, you know, a huge success, not just here, but internationally it's been acclaimed. Um, I don't know how much she's kind of broken the West. The West definitely know who she is. Yeah, um, definitely. Because I know she was in, she was in so style stories, a droid. Um, uh, the, the main reason I say I know that the West know who she is is because Jimmy Fallon did a section on his uh, show where he had a sketch where he was Harry Styles making the new music video and there were bits where he was FaceTiming someone pretending to be Phoebe Waller-Bridge yeah, and they were that, yeah. making jokes that were quite explicitly references to Fleabag. Oh, so really? okay. There, yeah, so there is an awareness of who both Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Fleabag is in the West. Um not, not the West. I say the West. We're in the West. The UK is the yeah. West. You mean America? I mean, <laughs> in America. Yeah. In the States. The okay. States is the word I was yeah. looking for. Somebody else who I've got. I've, but yeah. I've, the, rest of my, the rest of the people on my list are all female, so we'll try and rattle through these. Um, from Killing Eve, I've got Jodie Comer and Sandra O. Oh. I feel like, it's not, is Killing Eve not still going on? I feel like it's finished. I think it's finished. I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like that show is like massive. Like Killing Eve right now is bigger than modern Doctor Who is. So I feel yeah. like to go from Killing Eve to Doctor Who would almost be a step down career-wise. I imagine like those actresses now would be kind of eyeing up Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Well, okay. So what about Vicky McClure from Line of Duty? I'd be for that. Yeah. Line of Duty is great. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? Tamsin Gregg from Friday Night Dinner and Episodes. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I've not that considered was... <laughs> Tamsin Gregg. Because... That's 
she does my ears up. For those who don't know, in the UK, we have a long-running radio program called The Archers, which is basically like a soap opera on the radio, and she's involved in that. She also recently did a drama on ITV that didn't do too well, but I understand that she was very good as a dramatic actress in that. And also, we know she can do comedic roles. So I think that would be... I think Tamsin Greg would be a really good shout at Doctor Who. I'm thinking about it right now. Have you seen... Uh, actually, I think I actually saw a meme which lined up the cast of Friday Night Dinner and ranking them from likely to most least likely to be the next Doctor. And they did put Tamsin Greg as the number one. Yeah. And I'm thinking the main thing I know her from is uh, the National Theatre production of Twelfth Night, mm. um, where she was playing uh, Malvolio, who's normally a um, male character. But it's kind of one of the um, one of the most significant roles in the piece. Yeah. And she was in it, and she was very funny. She had a she had a real intensity to it. I could see her really working. Yeah. Okay, so another one I've got here. I is... could. <laughs> no, go on, go on, go on. Sorry, no, that's actually that actually has got me one of the first names that has got me really excited. Hamza <laughs> Greek sounds like yeah. of all the names we've discussed, that's one of the ones which to me is the most one of the most viable. Yeah, that'd be um, really good. Someone I've got who was in Doctor Who and I think could be quite interesting, um, Sophia Miles from Girl in the Fireplace. Did she play Madame Pompadour? She did play Madame de Pompadour. Oh, du Pompadour. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. See, I just think if Capaldi could do it, and Capaldi was in such a a monumental episode and such an important role in that episode, then why not just do the same with Sophia Miles if they were to bring her back? Why has she picked this face and such a... Or just never address it? Maybe, yeah. I'm trying to think now... um... She used to date David of Tennant characters as well. So been in... Yeah, I'm trying to think now um, of kind of actors who've been in New Who of Stories who could potentially David come Mitchell. back as a doctor. David Mitchell. I'd, that'd be a laugh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what about Robert Webb? <laughs> Robert Webb. That'd be a laugh, yeah. I yeah. mean, even I don't think either of them would. Um, <laughs> but... Sure, why not? What about David Williams? Oh, I can't see that. I can't see David Williams. No, me neither. I knew you wouldn't like that. We're just going to reel off just kind of (laughs) the most... (laughs) Okay, the last one I got on my list, which is what I sent to you, you said you were going to talk to me about it on here, is Felicity Jones. Yes, you mentioned Felicity Jones, which I found interesting. Why do you think... Jones. Well, I think she's a good actress. She could, like everybody we've mentioned on here, she could do this. She would be just as good yeah, as yeah. anybody else we've mentioned. Um, possibly too big of a star to do it with being in That's a That's my Wars. reservation. But then maybe Doctor Who needs a big star to front it, even if it's just for three seasons. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get to that point in a second. I'm going to get to that point in a second. Um, That's all I want to say. Um Based on what we've talked about so far, I don't think it's likely. I was already saying Phoebe Waller-Bridge might be too big. Yeah. And Felicity Jones was in the same Star Wars movie Phoebe was in, and she was playing an even more significant role than Phoebe was. So, you know, by that kind of deduction, I feel like Phoebe's too big. No, um, Felicity's too big. But I did think about that, what you just said of what if for even a brief stint, they brought in like a big... 
A-list actor to play the Doctor because that's not been done before. That's no. never been done before. Um, it's almost kind of tradition at this point to pick kind of an up-and-comer to play the Doctor. But what if they went the other way? And that is interesting. That's interesting because then suddenly names which you would very quickly dismiss like Eddie Redmayne or Benedict Cumberbatch, suddenly those become viable if you thought yeah. if they were to do that. I don't think Cumberbatch would do it. I know. I think he's even said he wouldn't do it. I think he. I think. He, I think when Tennant left and Moffat was taken over, I think they had a discussion about it. Um, but Cumberbatch basically said he just doesn't want his fate, which is what I'm about to say now contradicts everything to do with the MCU. But Cumberbatch said he just didn't like the idea of having his face on lunch boxes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, there's some good. There's some good choices in there. Um, I generally do think that it should be. Um, my instinct is to go for an unknown, but then after what we've just said, I really would like maybe just see just a random, really big name actor to do it for two years. I mean, yeah, if, if some kind of leak came out um, where it said like an A-list or Hollywood star was who the BBC were in negotiations with, yeah, I mean, it would definitely do the ratings favors, wouldn't it? Without a doubt, <laughs> it would. Um, anybody but trying else? To, like the biggest possible name. Now, like Steve Coogan, what if it was like <laughs> Steve Coogan's the biggest name you can think of? It is, it's got many I was about to say something it. like Dame, I was about to say something like Dame Judy Dench is the doctor. I was going <laughs> to go that insane. Um, I, I generally can't think of anybody because, in my mind, it, it still has to be a British actor. In my mind, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I want to establish that. I mean, yeah. I feel like the doctor at this point has been established quite clearly that they can be any race, any gender, yeah anything but i feel like you kind of have to draw the line at british <laughs> yeah they can be like, Scottish, you know, if, they can be english they can be irish but they have to be have we been welsh have we had a have, we've not had a welsh doctor, michael sheen we? there you go it's gonna be michael sheen i have heard michael sheen being thrown around yeah um, i mean he could certainly do it yeah definitely i don't know um, if he would <laughs> i don't think he would before we go into tooth and claw um, anything you want to say, Harry? Anything else? Um, I feel like we've covered all bases quite comprehensively. What's going to be your fun segue? We've only got two minutes left because I've got I have the smart telly I want to watch at eight o'clock. So what's your cool segue to Tooth and Claw from talking about uh, who the next doctor is going to be? Oh, uh, gee, t- wait, wait, Tim, ask me um, how I'm feeling health wise. Yeah, how are you feeling health wise, Harry, in this strange time? Oh, you know, I'm not doing so well. Um, like, I think I've got an ingrown nail. Like, my nails, I really need to cut right now. They're like claws. And um, I actually think I have an ache in one of my teeth, you know? I've got a real kind of tooth and claw situation going on here. Oh, speaking of tooth and claw. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening this far, everybody. Do stick along for the watch line. It's always good fun. Um, it was filmed a fair while ago, so there might be some obscure references to Little Mix Breaking you know, if that was in that episode. Um, if not, there's a teaser for some future episodes. Um, thank you very much for listening so far and enjoy the rest of the show. Once again, I'm right, and on the rare occasion when I'm wrong, you'd usually find out that that bit was a lie and that I was right in the first place. Is a command from the Daleks. All listeners are demanded to subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe or you will be exterminated. Seek, locate, subscribe.
fucking having you all. <laughs> great news there, Harry. Great news. That was a great uh, transition I did, wasn't it? It was amazing. Well done. Uh, I was very proud of it. Uh, two from Claw. Um, Doctor Who series two, episode two. It's called what, Harry? Tooth and Claw, like you just said. <laughs> Is it by? I'm gonna have to Google that. <gasps> oh, you always say you always go Tooth and Claw by. I'm, I'm getting up now. I'm getting up now. We can edit around this unless Tim doesn't want to. I don't edit. I don't edit any of these podcasts. Oh, it's by Russell. Yeah. Do you want to do that again? <laughs> yes. We're doing Doctor Who Series 2, Episode 2, which is called What, Harry? Tooth and Claw by Russell T. Davis. Well done. Um, it's got a weird opening this episode with that Kung Fu. I like it, but I feel it's maybe slightly dated in the way it's filmed. It's it's a strange opening because it's kind of this very, it's this very kind of action-packed president for the whole story. And you have like these monks and like there's that one like slow-mo shot, which is really cool. And then like, I know what you mean there about the camera work because the rest of it is quite kind of, I know like shaky and focused, but I guess that was kind of like the era. That's how TV action was shot during the time. I suppose as well, if you've got quite a small budget, you want to just try and use every trick in the book. Do you think all the budget went to that one slow-mo flipping shot? (laughs) I think so. I think it took them a lot of data film on the confidential. They were talking about it and there's, huge cranes and wires and it took them ages to find the right place to film it and I think they had to like resurface the area where they were filming because they couldn't like flip, I don't know, but it took them a lot longer than I think they were willing for it to take So we're going to use that footage <laughs> Yeah, um, the scene where they are where they, they um, you don't see the guy in the box, it's the cold open and they take off the cloak of the box and it just cuts to loads of people chained up screaming. What are they screaming at? Because that's not a wolf that they're screaming at. It's just a guy in a box. Yeah, but it's a creepy guy in a box, Tim. Emo in a box. He might start playing are you telling me that if, Roman yeah, like at any time. It was, Vic, it was Victorian era Scotland. They didn't know what emos were. <laughs> just a, oh no, what's going on? That's a horrible Scottish accent. Hang on. Okay. That's what's... worse than Billy Piper's Scottish. What's going on in that wee box? When I was crawling in my skin. Um, Just after the cold open, we then cut to the Doctor and Rose flying the TARDIS. That's a really cool scene, especially with the music in the background. I I wish Doctor Who would do more stuff with noticeable soundtracks to accompany action sequences. Because that's the thing, like the Doctor has lived throughout all of space and time. Yeah. Surely he's got a good vinyl collection by now, you know? Yeah, because the Rose describes him as being punk, which I think is, you know, the fourth Doctor was Bohemian, this one is punk. And the twelfth Doctor is rock and roll. The twelfth Doctor is Bowie. <laughs> That's all he is. It is yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Do you think that every time the Doctor regenerates, they throw out their whole music collection and like start again? Possibly. I, I I don't know. Maybe. But then not everybody has different tastes in music. A lot of people have similar tastes in music, so maybe not the whole thing. Okay, well, maybe they'll keep, like, you know, Best of Queen. I bet they'll all keep Best of Queen, but... <laughs> best of Queen, and that's sure. what I call music for dance. <laughs> 
Um, Jody swapped it out with music for months. That's true. That's true. Do you have a phone ringing? Do you need to go pick that up? Uh, it's not my phone. Uh, okay, it's a house phone. We won't worry about it. Um, you mentioned it there. Rose's Scottish accent is dreadful. But is David Tennant doing his normal Scottish accent or is he putting on a Scottish accent? What's he doing there? Right. Um, to me, it sounds like it's an exa- a slightly exaggerated version of his usual Scottish accent. Yeah. Like when yeah. you do an exaggerated northern accent for Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, like when I when I when I like just really let myself go lazy and exaggerate my whole isms. What would Christopher Eccleston do in a Scottish accent sound like, Harry? Okay, this is a big ask for me. <laughs> okay. First of all, I have to go into Mick Christopher Eccleston and ooh why I'm a Scottish Christopher Eccleston. I'm from the island of Balamore. <laughs> That's a weird reference as well for the doctor to put in here, Balamori. Is how, how is he watching Balamori? I, I don't know. The thing is, I suppose that's because Balamori, like, is there is you know the island it's based off, like you know, is a real island yeah. with that town, but it's not called Balamori in real life. So I don't get why they didn't just just call the ta- the the CBB show Balamori, you know name it after the actual island town. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. Maybe um, it's not a family-friendly town name, but... It's called Turbamori. Is that what it's actually called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turbamori's just as good. You can even <laughs> do the same theme song. I don't know if people... Oh, are you talking about for the actual show? The actual show Balamori? Yeah, the actual show Balamori. Like, what's the name Turbamori. of the town they film? Why did they change it? <laughs> We've spoken about Balamori for too long, Harry. The thing is, like, if we haven't, do we have any American listeners? Because they won't have a clue what we're on about. No. They won't know what Balamori is. Well, they'll have to stick around for our Balamori watch along podcast. Damn, that's meant to be a secret. No, I'm not telling anybody. Don't worry. It's only me and you here. Oh yeah, that's right. We just talk into a void. What, what what would we call it? What would we call a Balamori podcast? Um, obviously, we'd call it. Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> that's a good idea. I like that. Um, this <laughs> moving on from Balamori, uh, the the Doctor and Rose's reaction to meeting the Queen is great. Yeah, I love kind of. I know it's a little bit silly, but I love the way that Rose is just trying throughout to very obviously get her to say that she's not amused. Yes. Where does that come from? The phrase where you're not... I don't know. I mean, I can only assume maybe... Maybe it was something which, like, surely after Victoria's death, maybe, like, newspaper comics or something figured the Queen like that? Because it's definitely not something she said. Although apparently once in a letter or a diary entry... She wrote, we were very much amused. I don't oh. know where the we are not amused thing comes from at all. I'm just having a quick look here through the Radio Times. Um, da, 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 da. Maybe there was a popular depiction of her in a play or a telly program or, a, or an old timey wimey film. 
Maybe. I'm not too sure. I'm not going to read this full radio article because it's actually about the TV series Victoria. <laughs> not actually about Oh, the, the Jenna Coleman one. Yeah. It's, 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 it's Doctor Who. It's got Jenna Coleman. It's, I'm not it's reading still this whole thing. Um, if anyone wants to go and read Hugh Fullerton's article, you can do that. Just Google, did Queen Victoria really say we are not amused? You'll find it. It's there. Um, I also like their reaction afterwards, which is when they're walking on their own and the doctor's like, we just met Queen Victoria. Yeah, it's a similar thing to, you know, how Eccleston's doctor, the ninth doctor, would still get excited over meeting someone like Charles Dickens. It's kind of, it's cool to see that carry over because I feel like that's a very appealing aspect of the doctor that no matter where they've been and who they've met, meeting new people in new places still excites them. And that's why they travel. They just yeah. love experiencing all space and time. Yeah, which is quite strange because when Rose does meet Charles Dickens, she doesn't care. <laughs> she's like... Well, oh, she's, no, you know, she's had a bit of a long day. She's been, like, knocked out, hasn't she? And kidnapped <laughs> that's true. and all that. That's true. But when she meets Queen Victoria, she's loving it, which I thought would have been the other way around for someone of... It's me, and as someone who is maybe now older than Billy Piper was meant to be playing when she was in Doctor Who. How old Rose is Rose? is meant to be 19, isn't she? Okay, so we are. Uh, maybe she's than... 20 in yeah. Series 2. So, but at the age of 20, I still would have been more excited to meet Charles Dickens and Queen Victoria. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they'd both be very interesting people to meet. I mean, it's kind of one of those questions of like, like you're that dream dinner party who you would invite. I'd very happily have either of them at my dinner table. I'd have um, uh, Toby Jones. Toby Bold- Jones is brilliant. I love the, Toby Jones. The character of Baldrick from Blackadder. Okay. Wallace. More. As in of... And Charles Dickens. Morph. Hmm. Can Morph eat... I don't know, that's why I'd have him there. <laughs> Just to see if he eats? Yeah. Also, is, would Morph be, like, human-sized, or would he be Morph-sized? I feel he should be human-sized just to freak everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, what... <laughs> Wallace, but Wallace, Wallace is plasticine-sized. <laughs> Wallace can't be... Wallace has to be human-sized. Wallace has to, you can't have a human-sized Morph and... A, Plasticine-sized Wallace. You can watch me. That's um, there's a scene I really I don't like. like that. Too. There's a scene uh, something I do like is a scene in this episode where where they arrive at the castle and uh, is it Sir Edward or oh, Sir Robert is um, trying to persuade the Queen to go elsewhere and everybody's just kind of oblivious to it apart from the Doctor. He's clearly there's a look on his face and I really like the fact that. He knows before anybody else in that situation that something isn't quite right. Yeah, I mean that's naturally doctor. Didn't does Rose pick up on it or not, or is she just kind of enjoying herself? I don't think so. I don't really think because even when she goes off to get changed and she gets kidnapped, um, that seems to be her first inkling that something is wrong. Mm, yeah. But then again, she's I mean, quite taken speaks, back by the mm. fact that there's been assassination attempts on the Queen. So I don't know, maybe she's, you know, maybe she's thinking something could go wrong, but maybe not to the extent of which it does. Maybe she didn't uh, study the Victorian era um, too hard in school, and so all this is a bit new to her. 
Does every school do that? We did that at school in year five. Yeah, but like year five, that's so long ago. Like, you do what like, do you remember? Do about chimney sweeps and stuff like that. Yeah, so we learn about chimney sweeps. Of all the things to learn about in Victorian era, why do we learn about chimney sweeps? Just because that's the thing we don't have now? We learned about chimney sweeps and I remember watching Oliver Twist. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is it, isn't it? Like, oh, we have to teach them about the Victorian era. Let's uh, stick Oliver on. Did you pick up on, pick up, did you pick up on the Torchwood reference? Yes, isn't the uh, manor called Torchwood? It is called Torchwood, and something else gets mentioned at the start when they arrive at the castle. I can't remember what it is, but um, the Queen Queen Victoria does mention Torchwood. It's in the same scene where the Doctor mentions that he could have bought Rose Tyler or the Elephant Man. <laughs> when I picked this wee lassie up for a sixpence, it was either her or the Elephant Man. Is that what I think he says? I'd love to see the Doctor the meet of... the Elephant Man. That'd be... I mean... He's already met John Hurt in David Doctor. Well, this is what I was going to say. If he meets the Elephant Man, therefore he exists in a world where there is therefore films of the Elephant Man, and John Hurt played the Elephant Man, who then played the War Doctor. So how does that work? Unless the Doctor Who Who universe does not have a film of the Elephant Man. Very much a coincidence. What a coincidence. But it does have films of... What's the Peter Cushing thing in Day of the Doctor? Oh, um, that's the uh, Stephen Moffat's novelization of it. Um, stated something along the lines of that the Doctor and Peter Cushing are friends. Uh, the Doctor gave Peter Cushing permission to do those Doctor Who Dalek films. Uh, okay, what with Bernard Cribbins? How does that work then? Was Bernard Cribbins in those films as well? He was in both of them, yeah. Um, the there's two people in the Doctor Who universe who look like Bernard Cribbins. One of them um, is an actor who voices the Wombles, and one of them is Wilf. <laughs> oh, so they're both actors, but they both have just done. No, Will, 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 Wilf. No, 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 no. Will, Wilf, Wilf is just Wilf, and then oh. Bernard Cribbins is the actor who's done like Jack and Ori and stuff. Old and um, old Jack's old boat. Jack's boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're thinking a lot of CBBS references this uh, week. Um, the scene where they're looking at the telescope and the guy who is a monk who I don't think his name gets mentioned but he looks like Richard O'Brien who used to present the Crystal Maze um, he says, he stops Sir Robert talking about the story of the wolf because um, he says it's um, it's almost dark but you can see outside that it's pretty much light, it's like the middle of the day Maybe it's winter where like the dark creeps up on you but then they're even, even even when the doc at the start episode where the doctor meets Queen Victoria, they say, "Oh, we've got to keep going. It's almost sunset or sundown, or it's going to get dark soon." But then it's like it's like super bright. Uh, uh, I don't know, Tim. Take it up with continuity. <laughs> when you're uh, showrunner, you'll make sure stuff like this doesn't happen. When they say it's almost dark, you'll make sure it's dark in the next scene, won't you, Tim? I will do. I'm not an idiot like Russell T. Davis. Um, I like the Doctor's reaction to when Rose fails for the second time to get Queen Victoria to say we are not amused and the Doctor's and Rose's reaction which is just a sort of like they are, especially I think this episode does a really good job at depicting them as just really good friends 
Yeah. And you definitely get to see them as just great mates just messing around. Yeah, I really love it. It's very contagious just to see how much fun Billy and David have. Like, I like lots of things about lots of different companion Doctor team-ups, but it's hard to think of a pair that seem to just be having such pure joy in the way that um, Ten and Rose do. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, That said, they do get separated again. They got separated last week in New Earth, and they get they got separated before that in the Christmas Invasion, and they're getting separated this week in Tooth and Claw. Do they get separated next week? What's next week's episode? Next week, um, it's not this School is. Reunion yet, is it? I think it is actually. Yeah. I mean, that episode like they talk about the fact that the Doctor leaves you eventually. All but time, he doesn't don't leave they? Rose. He's never going to leave Rose. It's the Doctor and Rose forever. Yeah, that's right. The uh, last um, uh, 11 series of Doctor Who have all been David Tennant and Billy Piper. That's why they've been so busy. Yeah, that's why we can't get them on the podcast. Uh, One day. Uh, There's a reference in this to the Bad Wolf. Did you pick up on that? Yes, I did. And it was the werewolf who brought up, didn't they? Yeah, he says... I could see it in you, the wolf, or something like that, which obviously a reference to the last series with um, the bad wolf that Rose becomes. But I sort of mm. wondered, that's sort of a really obscure thing to bring up and then just leave. Yeah, and I feel like there was something about him saying that like, you can sense kind of the light and the dark or something. Was mm. that right? Yeah, yeah. So that actually makes sense in terms of like the show's internal logic because obviously... Rose took in kind of the light from the heart of the TARDIS. So it would make sense that this guy would be able to sense kind of the bad wolf in her because that was what made a bad wolf. Mm. Talking of bad wolves, what did you think to the CGI of the werewolf or the werewolf? I mean, obviously for 2021 standards, it doesn't quite hold up. However, if you compare it to the CGI of, say, the Savine or the, um, I can't remember what the monsters were called in Father's Day in Series 1, oh. but it's a huge step up if you compare the 2005 CGI monsters to this 2006 CGI monster. I think it's hidden quite a lot, this werewolf. It's a lot of its, um, it's either quite far away at the end of hallways or is in darkness. That's true as well. That's very true. Like if you think back to like World War Three, the Slovene when they burst through a door, it's kind of a static medium shot where you can kind of quite tell it's CGI. Whereas here, it's masked quite well. I mean, I even say like, while kind of some shots don't hold up, there are some which are still you know quite effective. And when you're kind of caught up in the action, you know, it serves its purpose well without being yeah. distracting. Um, we've talked about the werewolf. We've talked a lot about the opening. The rest of the episode's okay. I feel. But it is just a lot of running around a big house. It's, you know, it's what you expect from Doctor Who. It yeah. uh, keeps you invested. Um, it doesn't break any huge boundaries, but it doesn't really need to at the same time. No, you're right. Um, anything else you want to say about this episode? I'm kind of all out of notes. Uh, that is a pretty strong, fun episode. It's a good time. Um it's funny, it's fun, a little bit scary. You know, it's what you want from Doctor Who. That's true. Okay, so it's time for the quiz! Oh my god! 
what? Oh, my voice. Uh, something happened there. Um, I've got no questions this week. I forgot to do them. I'm t- really? I mean, I, I think I can guess what one of the questions is. Uh, I can remember. <laughs> okay, we, so we let, let's let the audience yeah. into this. Well, this is the second time we're having to record this episode. Um, I accidentally overwrote the file uh, when we originally recorded this in 2020. So we've kind of just been winging this. We do apologise. Uh, why don't you ask me the question for a change? Okay. Because I remember at least two of them. I can't remember the answer to one of them. I could never answer, remember the answer to the first one, which is... Is it the Muppet movie? It was the Muppet movie. <laughs> I was gonna, like, what, what movie does the Temp Doctor mention at the start? And it's the Muppet movie. Muppet movie, yeah. And I rem- yeah, I remember remembering it because I was like, oh, Tim will like that reference. Because Tim <laughs> yeah. likes the Muppets. I do like the Muppets. You saw it in the, o- you saw it in the O2, didn't you? I did see it in the O2. And look who's here, everybody. It's Kermit the Frog. Do you wanna- I'm, ju- I'm just going to have to leave for a second if you want to talk to Kermit the Frog, Harry. Oh, yeah. Hey, Kermit, how are you doing? Hey, hey, well, thank you. Oh, oh, you're doing the Kermit. What do you mean I'm doing Kermit? Oh no, Kermit it's, it's both. Kermit. It's both Matt Vogel and Steve Whitmere. Hey ho! Oh hey, everybody! Kermit the Frog here. Who's who? I, I'm I'm Steve. Oh, oh I want to be. Steve. No, you can be. Okay, fine. I'll be Matt. I'll be Kermit's Matt. I like gone Matt. Anyway. He's left. Both Kermits. Uh, what's the second question? What else do you have? Uh, how many assassination attempts were made on Queen Victoria? Uh, six or eight, I think. I can't remember. Can you? No. Well, if you do remember, leave it in the comments. Cause... <laughs> we don't and care. the third question was probably a reference to something someone said. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Let me think of something someone said. Uh, uh, okay, who... In the episode, Queen Victoria carries around a diamond. Who did that diamond originally belong to? Uh, did it belong to Albert? Yeah, it did, yeah. Well done. Did I Did I win? You're a certified Doctor Who fan. Means you'll be single and alone forever. <laughs> like all of us who he was I... destined for. <laughs> I was adored once. Yeah, so was I once, and then I did a podcast called Big on the Inside, and everyone lost all their respect for me. Do you have anything you'd like to recommend this week, Harry? Anything you want to recommend? Um, what would I have recommended this time, like a few <laughs> months ago? Um, yeah. I'd have recommended going outside when we were allowed to. We were allowed back then, but we didn't. We yeah, stayed we inside and did a outside. podcast. What a waste of time. I mean, that's a thing, yeah. I, I had... I, mean, I can't remember exactly the dates, but I remember like people at the you know going to the pub after like a session in uni. I was like, nah, I gotta gotta get back to my uh, apartment. Gotta record bigger on the inside. The new Who Doctor Who Watch on podcast. I know what I recommend. Everyone's whilst like, you think of something, um, for those in the UK, you can probably watch this. If not, just pirate it. Um, I'm a big comedy Take, fan. You I can't like, endorse pirating. I like Blackadder. I like Rowan Atkinson. There was a documentary on ITV um, this week. It's probably it will be on ITV player for the foreseeable future about Rowan Atkinson, Richard Curtis, and that creative team and how they created the character of Mr. Bean and how Rowan Atkinson sort of started his acting career. And it was really good. Did you get a chance to watch it? 
I still intend to watch it. I might watch it tonight. Yeah, it was good fun. Definitely going to give that a watch. And Harry, what are you going to recommend? Because you can't recommend Succession again. You've done that. Succession's really good, though. You want to recommend it again? No. I'm not going to recommend. I mean, I already have, but um, and I'm going to recommend on the subject of Richard Curtis. You, you seen yesterday? Did you ever see the Richard Curtis uh, no, Danny Boyle film no, yesterday? No, but it does look good. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. It's a uh, Danny Boyle directed. Um, Richard Curtis wrote it. It's about um, a guy who ends up in a world where the Beatles never existed, so he just writes all the Beatles songs <laughs> and becomes uh, super famous. It's very funny. Um, my least favorite part of it is kind of the romance part of it, which is almost always my least favorite part of Richard Curtis' films, which is weird because that's like the thing that's in all of his films. Um, but you know, Best thing uh, everything about being in the Beatles was all the free sweeties. That's Ringo Starr. There, there, there are no Beatles in this film, Tim. This is a world with no Beatles. No, I'm just saying, if Ringo Starr was here, that's what he'd say. The best thing about being in the Beatles was all the free sweeties. That doesn't sound like Ringo. Ringo's Thomas like, was a huffing and a puffing. <laughs> Thomas was huffing and puffing down the track as fast as his wheels could take him. Slow down, said Annie and Clarabelle. I can't, said Thomas. I'm behind schedule and I can't let down the fat <laughs> controller. <laughs> Why is that so good? Why can't you do that? That shouldn't be something anyone could, could do. What, a good Ringo star impression? Can you do the other four? The other three? Uh, let's see. Well, John Lennon's pretty high. It's like, hello, I'm John Lennon. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the best artist in the Beatles. That's um, not bad. And then Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney, always like, hello, I'm Paul McCartney from the Beatles. I can't do a very good Paul McCartney. What about George Harrison? What does George Harrison sound like? He, he goes, I've got my mind set on you. I've got my mind set. Oh, yeah, I, I can do. I can do a great George Harrison. Hello, I'm George Harrison. That was amazing. From the Beatles. <laughs> sure do like being from Liverpool. <laughs> oh, hang on. I think I just got that joke. Is that a, was that the? Uh, I don't know if it was intentional. It reminded me a lot of what's the guy who made Rick and Morty. Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland? Justin Roiland, where he's doing that video where people send in pictures of cartoon characters and he has to do a, a, a voice for them and he just does the same rubbish voice no, for all, every all, single one. All of his voices are no every all of his voices in that are Hey, look at me. I'm I'm Justin Roiland. Look at me, guys. Look at me. I'm the character. I don't know. Like like, different different voices are Justin's forte, but he's a he's good at improv. He's a funny guy. I have a, you know, I don't have anything against him. It's just that Oh, Harry's broken up. I can't hear him. This is being I I, I don't know if Harry's even going to come back. His internet's cut out. Oh, there he is. Can you hear me, Harry? Yeah, um basically what I was saying is um that video unfortunately exposed that Justin Roiland doesn't get hired for his range of voices. But, you know, he's still talented. He's still a very funny guy and he has funny delivery. So That's true. Um, so what what are you recommending? Thomas the Tank Engine? I recommended yesterday. Oh, you did, didn't you? Sorry. Oh, that, oh yeah, that's yeah. what we were talking about. <laughs> we, we talked about Balamori, <laughs> Jackanori, 
Jack's old Jack's boat, the Wombles, Thomas the Tank Engine. Why have we talked about so many kids British kids shows? What about next week where we're going to talk about? Um, I think it's called. Is it called Timmy's Toy Shelf? Um, is this... it, is that the Sean the Sheep one? No, that's the way it's like that. Like, kids got like a shelf, and it's got loads of different toys on. There's like a monkey wearing a fez. I don't know that one. Um, Mister Okie Doke. We'll talk about that next week. Do you remember that? Here I don't, comes Okie Doke, and he lives in a tree, and he comes down, and he's like that. He's like a peaceful. That rings. Okay, that rings a very that rings a very vague bell. Do you want to rings... Google it? Google it now. Let's get Harry's live reaction. Okay. Well, what's it? So, what's it called? Okie Doke. Mister Okie Doke. Mister Okie Doke. Is oak spelled like oak tree? I guess so, because he lives in an oak tree. I've just dropped my own lacrosse ball. Oh god. Is this all going to go in the podcast? Yeah, I can't be bothered this week. <laughs> You're lucky people don't listen this far. Mister Okie Doke. What they do? If any, if anyone has uh, made it. This far in the podcast, get a um, life. First, well, I, I was going to ask why. I was going to ask why. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm glad that we bring you, I don't know, comfort, entertainment, whatever it is you listen to us for. Um, you know, it's good to know uh, <laughs> that we're appealing to someone. Have you found Mr. Okie Doke? Okay, I've got it up. It does look very familiar. Yeah. It was something I had completely forgotten about until one day in York, where I suddenly went, oh my god, what's Mr. Okie Doke? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Do you remember it? Vaguely. Uh, yes! Oh my god, this is <laughs> this is so weird. This is like a long, suppressed memory. I've just unlocked a memory you never thought you had, like TikTok does sometimes. This. Also, that intro music slaps. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. I just want to do a CBB's podcast now. Uh, Maybe next week. (laughs) If I I might ever write a file again, who knows? Follow us on Twitter um, at Bigger on the Pod, YouTube, Bigger on the Inside Podcast, acastshows.acast.com, forward slash Bigger on the Inside. Leave us a five star review on iTunes. We're on Instagram as well, probably Bigger on the Pod. Email us, Bigger on the Inside Pod, and we'll usually try and read the emails out in the very last show. Um, but you guys seem to be answering a lot of our questions on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, sorry, when we have guests on. We just recorded a special guest interview today, which we'll reveal in a couple of weeks' time. As you know, we'll reveal it at the start of next week's episode. So come back next week to listen to the news segment where we'll announce who we've just spoken to. It's very fun and exciting. Would you agree with that, Harry? Uh, Yeah, I did feel like I needed elaboration, but yes, 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 it is exciting. Okay, so we'll see you again later, guys. Say bye, Harry. Bye-bye. Scans detect you are not subscribed. The Daleks order you to subscribe. Resistance is futile. Failure to subscribe will lead to extermination. Seek, locate, subscribe.